Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it would seem for the moment, at least one of our nagging national debates may be on pause at the very least. General Motors said late this week it's going to suspend all driverless car operations nationwide. Get back in that seat. Tighten that belt. What happened? California regulators this week ordered the robo-taxi operator, that's Cruise, which is owned by General Motors, to remove its driverless cars from all roads in California. Of course, all roads in California lead to California. California's Department of Motor Vehicles said Cruise driverless vehicles were a risk to the public and that the company had, quote, misrepresented, unquote, the technology's safety. Misrepresented, in this case, means lied. You lied. Cruz said, quote, the most important thing for us right now is to take steps to build, rebuild public trust. <laughs> I'll say. Oh, sorry, they continue. In that spirit, we've decided to proactively pause driverless operations across all of our fleets while we take time to examine our processes, systems, and tools, unquote. Cruz has driverless operations in uh, Phoenix, Houston, Austin, Dallas, and Miami, as well as San Francisco. The suspension followed a series of accidents involving cruise vehicles. Who knew that was going to happen? It's a significant setback to the self-driving business, that uh, GM has called a major growth opportunity. That's what other people call cancer. Cruz said the decision is unrelated to any new on-road incidents. Supervised autonomous vehicle operations will continue. Supervised means there's a guy in the car. The uh, DMV of California said Cruz driverless vehicles, quote, are not safe for the public's operation citing an unreasonable risk to public safety, unquote. Same day, no, sorry, later in the week, U.S. auto safety officials said they were investigating five additional reports of cruise self-driving cars engaging in inappropriately hard braking that resulted in collisions. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said... Uh, Last December, it was opening a formal safety probe into Cruise after reports of three crashes in which its vehicles were struck from behind by other vehicles after the autonomous vehicles braked quickly. That resulted in two injuries. In a uh, letter made public this week, though, NHTSA, NHTSA, said it was asking questions about five new crash reports involving cruise vehicles that braked with no obstacles ahead and is seeking information by November 3. Quote, inappropriately hard braking results in the cruise vehicles becoming unexpected roadway obstacles and may result in a collision with a cruise vehicle, NHTSA said in its letter. Cruise says it's cooperating with the ongoing 
investigation because what else are they supposed to do? Quote, we welcome NHTSA's questions related to our safety record and operations. Unquote, Cruz. NHTSA earlier this month opened a separate probe, you may remember, into whether Cruz was taking sufficient precautions with autonomous robo-taxis to safeguard pedestrians. That's because uh, in August, the state of California DMV directed Cruz to remove half of its driverless vehicles after another crash. And Cruz said the DMV was also reviewing an October 2 incident, which I think we talked about here, where one of its self-driving vehicles braked but did not avoid striking a pedestrian who had been previously struck by another car, a hit-and-run driver. The DMV order said Cruz had not initially disclosed all video footage of that accident. That was an accident in which the pedestrian first hit by another car, then was hit by the cruise vehicle. It ran over the pedestrian and dragged the pedestrian about 20 feet until stopping parked on the pedestrian's body. It's very completist, is Cruz. The uh, DMV said Cruz's vehicles may lack the ability to respond in a safe and appropriate manner during incidents involving a pedestrian. Unquote. Cruz, not Tom, denied the allegation, saying it had shown the DMV the complete video of that incident multiple times. Putting the no in innovation. Hello, welcome to the show.
Speaking of getting nowhere fast, from New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of Le Show. That's what it's called. And now... Looks like Well, it's been a year since Elon Musk took over at Twitter. Seems like five, doesn't it? The company uh, has not, according to the tech journal Register, recovered from the mass exodus of advertisers early in Musk's tenures, tenure over concerns about a rise in hate speech on the platform. The new CEO of the newly named company, Linda Yaccarino, brought on board apparently to repair the damage to brand safety X suffered under Musk, claims advertisers are returning. The data doesn't seem to back that up. A marketing consultancy, Ebiquity, cute, which works with 70 of the 100 top spending advertisers. What, the 30 other 30 aren't good enough for you, Ebiquity? Said recently only two of its clients spent money on X last month down from 31 in the same month last year. Musk himself claims advertising revenues at X down 60%. Re claims that advertisers are back. There's some important context needed. Visa, one returning advertiser cited by Yaccarino, spent $10 in the 12 weeks prior to her making that comment, advertising on X, in that 12 weeks prior to buying X, Musk doing that, Visa spent around $77,500, not $10. AT&T, another brand, Yaccarino said it returned, only spent $781 in the same week, 12-week period compared to 1.77 million in the 12 weeks before Elon took hold. Similar statistics are true for Nissan, Walmart, and HBO, all spent less than a single percent of the cash they paid to Twitter in the weeks leading up to Musk's purchase. That's likely to be putting um, X's financiers who helped pick up the tab for Musk's $44 billion purchase of Twitter somewhat ill at ease. Yaccarino met with bankers Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Barclays, and other institutions earlier this month to assure them the company wasn't leaving them hold a bag full of junk debt. Whether they'll be able to profit from the reported $13 billion they lent to Musk for the purchase is increasingly unclear. According to unnamed sources from banks that spoke to the Wall Street Journal, the banks have been unable to offload their Twitter debt. In normal circumstances, they would have turned around and sold to invest investment firms soon after lending it. So that's what the banks do. No one wants to buy, which has been the case since shortly after the purchase, leaving the banks stuck, which means they have to stick the rest of their customers. Collectively, the institutions that lent Musk his Twitter money expect to take a 15% loss, just shy of $2 billion, if and when they're able to sell, according to the Wall Street Journal and their sources. But wait, there's more Musk love. He has offered Wikipedia 
the free online encyclopedia, $1 billion under one condition, that it changes its name to Dickopedia. <laughs> he is a gas of a clown, isn't he? <laughs> clown gas. The owner of X wrote his offer in a post on his site. He had previously posted a screenshot of a personal appeal from Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales stating his website is not for sale. I will give them a billion dollars if they change their name to a Dickopedia, Musk wrote. Please add that to the cow and poop emojis on my wiki page, he continued in another post, in the interests of accuracy, unquote. Elon. When one user, journalist Ed Krasenstein, suggested the online encyclopedia take the deal, saying it could always change it back after you collect, Musk added one more condition to his offer. Quote, one year minimum. I mean, I'm not, f I'm a not fool, LOL, he wrote. Can we get the, the guy with the butterfly net now? I can give you the address. Musk had made multiple posts earlier in the day criticizing the Wikimedia Foundation, the nonprofit that hosts Wikipedia, for asking for money. Quote, have you ever wondered why the Wikimedia Foundation wants so much money? It certainly isn't needed to operate Wikipedia, he wrote on X. You can literally fit a copy of the entire text on your phone. So what's the money for? Inquiring minds want to know. Unquote. Elon. The app's community notes which allows users to sign up to become contributors and create notes on posts for context, left an explanation under his post initially stating that Wikipedia handles, quote, over 25 billion page views per month and 400, uh, sorry, 44 million page edits a month requiring substantial operating costs, unquote. It also noted that the organization... Wikipedia employs third-party financial auditors who issue reports made available to the public. The note since updated noted the organization's expenses, $146 million, and left a list specifying where the money goes by percent. Wales, you see, has been an outspoken critic of Musk. In May, Wales condemned Musk's decision to censor critics ahead of the Turkish presidential election. And wait, there's a little more Musk love. Tesla has admitted in financial filings that it's under serious investigation by the U.S. Department of Justice over the efficacy of its, say it with me now, self-driving code, among other things. This is from the Register, the British Tech Journal. The regula regulatory filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission says that in addition to investigations by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the National Transportation Safety Board, and the SEC, the D D DOJ has subpoenaed the electric car maker for a host of important information. Quote, the company has received requests for information, including subpoenas from the DOJ. These have included requests for documents related to Tesla's autopilot and 
full self-driving features. The companies received requests for information, including DOJ subpoenas regarding certain matters associated with personal benefits, related parties, vehicle range, and personnel decisions. To our knowledge, no government agency in any ongoing investigation has concluded that any wrongdoing occurred, unquote. In February, Tesla, Tesla said the DOJ had requested documents relating to the company over-promising on the capabilities of autopilot and full self-driving, and if this was implicated in any deaths of U.S. citizens. Now it seems the DOJ is playing hardball over the issue. California and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration already investigating the number of crashes involving Tesla vehicles running with that full self-driving or autopilot software. The NHTSA found around 70% of incidents that are reported involve Tesla vehicles. The firm's vehicles account right now for about half the electric cars sold in the U.S. As to battery range issue, that could be related to a report a few months ago you heard about here. It claimed that Tesla rigged its cars to overestimate the range available to drivers until the charge level drops to 50% when a more realistic figure is displayed. This, according to Reuters, has been going on for about a decade. When customers called in to get a fix for an issue that could potentially see them stranded too far from a recharging station, I did that. Tesla reportedly set up a diversion team in Las Vegas where support staff would get $1,000 for every customer appointment on that issue that they canceled. Tesla had no comment. That's them leaving. No comment on any of this. And now news of the crypto winter. One more bites the dust. Blockchain company... Blockchain company... LBRY. They're the creators of the LBRY blockchain, don't you know? It's issued its final message to the crypto community, citing several million dollars of debts that have now made it impossible for the firm to continue. Just debts? That's your only problem? This will be our last post, said the team in a statement on Odyssey, a video sharing website powered by LBRY. It was also shared on X, in case people couldn't see it on LBRY's powered video sharing website since they were going out of business. They said several million dollars of debt owed to the SEC, its legal team, and a private debtor ended up being too big a problem to overcome. LBRY Incorporated must die. There is no escaping this. It has lost a judgment to the federal government, has several million dollars in debts, and has pledged to shut down. Thank you to everyone who fought with us for online freedom, unquote. And there was a final decision in favor of the SEC in July, originally seeking a punishment of $22 million, downgraded that to 111000 when it realized the defunct firm couldn't pay, <laughs> so that it has to pay. It has to not pay a lesser amount. The company was delighted after it seemingly backtracked on the decision, by filing a notice of appeal against the regulator. In its latest statement, however, the firm said, it's not going to appeal. 
The executive's employees and board members have all resigned and are now only engaged in satisfying any outstanding legal requirements. It wasn't a happy ending, but it was a happy journey, says the now former CEO Jeremy Kaufman. The announcement saw members of the crypto community come out and give their final words of support to the LBRY team. Now that's what I call a community. Which too bad it doesn't have a community chest. Date, oh, news of our friend the Adam. Dateline Beijing criticism has waned in China over Japan's release of treated wastewater from Fuk. Consumers are now shunning not only Japanese products, especially from the fishing industry, but also Chinese fishery products. Ah, this from the Chinese service, the GG Press. It's China that takes a bigger hit from this issue, stressed an executive of a, Chinese, of a Japanese company operating in China that imports and exports marine products. Chinese state-run media outlets before and after the first round of the water release began in August, as, as uh, well as government officials, blasted the discharge, describing the water as, quote, nuclear contaminated, uh, unquote. In short order, China's imports of Japanese fishery products slumped to zero in September after the country imposed, imposed a blanket ban on such products. But the impact wasn't limited to imports from Japan. Chinese demand for fishery products, including domestic ones, have shrunk, has shrunk, triggering job losses in relevant injuries. News of our friend, the Adam. You never know who it's going to hurt next. Well, you know that Sidney Powell is uh, one of three... Donald Trump lawyers pleading guilty, flipping in the Georgia case against him. Now, the, pres the former president claimed Sidney Powell was never his attorney. Said this in a social media post last week, three days after she pleaded guilty. CNN points out Powell was briefly an official member of Trump's legal team in 2020, and he stayed in contact with her on re election-related matters even after she was ousted from his campaign. But you and I both remember her showing up at uh, a good few, maybe dozens, of press conferences during the original campaign to contest the 2020 election. Said tw uh, Trump in his latest what do you call it when he... Blurt. It's a blurt. That's what he does on his uh, Trump social. He blurts. Quote, Sidney Powell is one of millions and millions of people who thought, and in ever-increasing numbers, still think, correctly, that the 2020 election was rigged and stolen. Here we go with all caps. Rigged and stolen, and our country is being absolutely destroyed because of it. Miss Powell was not, not my attorney and never was. In fact, she would have been conflicted. He reiterate he returned to upper and lower case for that last line. Uh, by the way, he said rigged and stolen, and he misspelled stolen. 
He spelled it S-T-O-L-L-E-N, two L's, which happens to be, no kidding, a German fruitcake full of nuts. Little Stormy was a handful Despite all the hype I paid a load of chunk change But no way was she my type Now when anybody asks me I don't care if I upset her But this I can tell you John Kelly was a chief of staff Like I needed one of those I never liked his manner I was creeped out by his clothes Now he's talking lots of trash I probably should sue him Such a lovely gal, the kind of immigrant I approve. I saw her first at a modeling gig, then I made my trademark move. This is the show, and now, news of the godly. Pope Francis has ordered the Vatican to reopen the case of a well-known priest-artist, priest-slash-artist, accused of sexually, psychologically, and spiritually abusing adult women. He also removed the statute of limitations that previously prevented a church trial based on those claims. The Vatican's announcement marked a major turnaround following a growing outcry among abuse victims and their advocates 
over the handling of the case of Reverend Marco Ivan Rupnik, a once exalted Jesuit preacher whose mosaics grace churches and basilicas around the world. The Rupnik scandal has been a headache for the Jesuits, the Vatican, and Francis the Talking Pope himself due to suspicions that he received, he, Rupnik, favorable treatment from the Holy See, where a Jesuit is Pope and other Jesuits head the sex crimes office and investigated him and declined to prosecute him because claims against him were deemed too old. The Vatican statement said Francis' Abuse Prevention Commission had flagged serious problems in the way the case was handled initially, particularly, quote, the lack of outreach to victims, unquote. That terminology was significant in itself because church authorities previously refused to even consider the women with claims against Rupnik as, quote, victims. Story from the Associated Press, by the way. Francis asked the Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of the faith to review the case and decided to lift the statute of limitations. What other organizations have dicasteries? Not mine. Rupnik, a Slovene priest, was declared excommunicated by the Vatican three years ago for one of the most serious crimes in the Catholic Church's legal code, using the confessional to absolve a woman with whom he had engaged in sexual activity. But the excommunication was lifted two weeks later, and he continued in his artistic and preaching activities. Nine more claims against him were presented to the Vatican a year later, dating from 30 years ago. The Sex Crimes Office refused to waive the statute of limitations against him. The office, where a Jesuit priest is the prosecutor, also decided not to pursue other allegations against him, such as, this is my favorite, false mysticism, which historically aren't subject to a statute of limitations. False mysticism, ladies and gentlemen. The Jesuit order kicked Rupnik out this summer after even more adult women came forward accusing him of sexual, psychological, and spiritual abuses. The Jesuits did their own investigation, found the women's claims to be highly credible, very highly credible, but they said the Vatican's canonical norms in force at the time of the alleged abuse precluded a trial or harsher punishment. In the end, the Jesuits expelled him not because of the allegations of abuse, but because of his, quote, stubborn refusal to observe the vow of obedience. The Jesuits had exhorted Rupnik to atone for his misconduct and enter into a process of reparation with his victims, but he refused. In an interview with the AP earlier this year, Francis uh, reaffirmed the decision not to waive the statute of limitations for the women's claims, saying he always lifts time limits for abuse of minors, but not those involving adults. His decision to reverse course and now allow the old claims to go forward in a trial suggests the realization the scandal was now seriously undermining his credibility and jeopardizing any progress the church has made in combating both abuse and false mysticism. The Catholic Church has long responded to women who, these are adult women, who report priests for abusing their authority by blaming the women for seducing the churchmen, portraying them as mentally unstable, 
minimizing the event as a mere mistake or boundary violation by an otherwise holy priest. Those same claims were used by Rupnik's supporters to discredit his accusers. Now, not so much. Meantime, that famous priest artist who was thrown out of the Jesuits, Mr. Rupnik, Reverend Rupnik, has been accepted into a diocese in his native Slovenia. That's the uh, latest twist in the case. The uh, Jesuits said they'd provided the Diocese of Koper, Slovenia, with an extensive letter outlining the allegations against Rupnik, and notice they had been convicted and excommunicated. But the uh, diocese in Slovenia said it accepted Rupnik as a diocesan, diocesan priest because it hadn't received any documentation, documentation showing he'd been found guilty of the alleged abuses before, before either an ecclesiastical tribunal or civil court. The uh, diocese cited the Universal Declaration of Human Rights Provision on the Presumption of Innocence and the Right to a Defense for Anyone Accused of a Crime. Usually, when one priest moves from one diocese to another or joins a diocese after leaving a religious order, such as Jesuits, the process takes years. According to canon law, it also requires, quote, appropriate testimonials concerning the cleric's life, morals, and studies, unquote, from the priest's previous superior. Mother Superior jumped the gun. I just heard that. The Diocese of Buffalo has filed a motion to get a preliminary injunction related to paying off their debts to survivors of sexual abuse. According to the filing, the diocese is planning to offer $100 million to those survivors of sexual abuse. There is no settlement as of yet. The information was revealed in a motion the diocese filed this week to further delay any of the hundreds of survivors from suing their parishes or non-bankrupt entities. After the Diocese of Buffalo filed for bankruptcy in 2020, survivors agreed to put a temporary stay in place to delay any lawsuits against the non-bankrupt parts of the diocese. That agreement expired last September 30th. The diocese survivors and its lawyers have been trying to negotiate for so long. The lawyer for the survivors, Steve Boyd, says they aren't willing to wait any longer. They don't believe Hunter Minya is enough. Boyd cited the diocese in Syracuse, which is half the amount of survivors, and they got $100 million. If the uh, diocese in Buffalo has to hit the $100 million, it would need to sell some real estate. Over in Spain, more than 200,000 children are estimated to have suffered sexual abuse from Spain's Catholic church, uh, clergy. This is from an independent commission. The details emerged from an unprecedented investigation by Spain's ombudsman, who spoke of the, that's a Spanish word, by the way, who spoke of the devastating impact on victims. Angel Gabilondo also criticized the church for its inaction and attempts to cover up or deny the abuse. What has happened has been possible, he says, because of that silence. 
Gabalondo said uh, this week the church did cooperate with the commission to a certain extent, but he highlighted its lack of interest in assisting with the report and the hostility of bishops in some dioceses. The Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez said, quote, we're a better country because the reality that everyone knew about for many years but nobody talked about has been made known. And finally, a federal grand jury in Los Angeles has indicted Nason Joaquin Garcia on two child pornography counts. It's yet another legal challenge for the head of the Mexico-based La Luz del Mundo megachurch. That means the light of the world. He's already serving a 17-year state prison sentence for sexually abusing girls from his congregation. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this program. And now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Well, if you want a big-name apology, I got one for you. How about the New York Times? How about that one, huh? They've said it was wrong to heavily rely on claims by the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas that Israel was to blame for the Al-Ahil... Al-Ali Arab hospital explosion without first verifying those claims. Quote, the Times initial accounts attributed the claim of Israeli responsibility to Palestinian officials and noted that the Israeli military was said it was investigating the blast. However, the early versions of the coverage relied too heavily by, on claims by Hamas and did not make clear that those claims could not immediately be verified. The report left readers with an incorrect impression about what was known and how credible the account was, the Times said in an editor's note shared on its Instagram account. The New York Times is on Insta. It's the latest major media outlet to concede that its early and fast-shifting reporting on the deadly Gaza City hospital blast relied on Palestinian sources. Follow-up coverage and investigation revealed the cause was a misfired rocket aimed at Israel. The Times said its own coverage relied on claims by Hamas government officials that the Israeli airstrike was the cause. The report included a large headline at the top of the Times website. Other major U.S. outlets, including CNN, the AP, and Wall Street Journal, have since published independent investigations to correct their reporting on a hospital rocket misfire. The BBC also apologized for initially blaming Israel for the attack. Back to the Times. They say in their note, Times editors should have taken more care with the initial presentation and been more explicit about what information could or couldn't be verified. The Writers Guild of America West issues an apology to its members this week for the harm caused by its decision not to release a statement in the wake of the October 7th attack on Israel. The Guild has faced withering criticism over the last week for failing to condemn the Hamas attacks. In a lengthy statement to members, the Guild sought to explain its decision not to weigh in on the issue. The Guild explained that it has generally taken stances on domestic issues pertaining to social justice or freedom of speech, but it has avoided international tragedies. 
It can be an imprecise science for a labor union to pick and choose where it weighs in on world affairs. We understand this has caused tremendous pain, and for that, we're truly sorry, unquote. Amid a chorus of criticism from authors, librarians, 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 educators, and freedom-to-read advocates, Scholastic this week said it would stop offering an optional collection of diverse books at its book fairs and apologized for the loss of trust and, quote, the pain caused, unquote, by the exclusionary policy. Quote, I want to apologize on behalf of Scholastic, unquote, Scholastic Trade Publishing President Ellie Berger wrote in the letter addressed to authors and illustrators, quote, even if the decision was made with good intention, we understand now that it was a mistake to segregate diverse books. Berger said that the share every story, celebrate every voice case will be formally discontinued starting with the next book fair season. In the meantime, they are, quote, working on a pivot plan. Right about now, I think we all are. The company uh, earlier this month posted a message seeking to justify its position, citing pending legislation in more than 30 states that could imperil librarians and educators for offering certain books in schools, quote, mostly LGBTQIA plus titles, and books that engage with the presence of racism in our country, the company acknowledged. In a letter this week, Scholastic acknowledged the concerns of stakeholders across the industry. Quote, we sincerely apologize to every author, illustrator, licensor, educator, librarian, parent, and reader who was hurt by our action, Berger wrote. She promised Scholastic would redouble our efforts to combat the laws restricting children's access to books, unquote. Energy Louisiana representatives apologized to the mayor of St. Francisville, Louisiana, and the St. Francisville, Francisville Board of Aldermen for a lack of communication about herbicide spraying under power lines that shocked many residents when the greenery began dying. Here's a statement from Shane Pinto. Quote, I want to apologize to the National Hockey League, the Ottawa Senators, my teammates, the fans in the city of Ottawa, and most importantly, my family. I take full responsibility for my actions and look forward to getting back on the ice with my team. Unquote. Statement from the National Hockey League. Quote, the National Hockey League announced today that it has suspended NHL player Shane Pinto for 41 games for activities relating to sports wagering. The league's investigation found no evidence that Pinto made any wagers on NHL games. The NHL considers this matter closed, absence the emergence of new information, and will have no further comment. Sound effect of door slamming. It just w- strikes me as weird that uh, somebody is still being brought up on any kind of... Uh, Offense for sports wagering now that every single game and every single professional sport is being sponsored by gambling organizations. Or haven't you noticed? Kitty Lang, head of comedy United Agents, 
a uh, Hollywood talent agency company, is under investigation by the top UK talent agency after social media reposts and shares highly critical of Israel. On Tuesday morning, United Agents said on its X account, quote, we've been made aware of social media posts by one of our senior agents this morning. These are not the views of United Agents. We're conducting a full and thorough investigation into this immediately, unquote. Lang represents comedy writers and actors and sketch comedy artists. United Agents has clients working in film, TV, theater, radio, and digital. Lang's reposts have been taken down and are no longer available for viewing. Lang, in a statement obtained by The Hollywood Reporter, apologized for her social media shares. Quote, I would like to unreservedly apologize for my retweets on social media surrounding the horrendous attacks in Israel on October 7th. With hindsight, I realize how naive I have been and that much of the information on social media surrounding the conflict is unsubstantiated and hurtful. I should have taken time to consider this beforehand. Unquote. And a Department of Veterans Affairs regional office manager who was not wearing pants at the time cursed out and insulted his subordinates during a virtual town hall meeting. He assumed his microphone and camera were off. Edward Fuenmayor, an assistant veteran service center manager in Phoenix, was reassigned after the outburst last week, according to the VA. In a letter obtained by NBC News, Fuenmayor apologized for the incident, saying he embarrassed himself and the agency with his recent behavior and his use of inappropriate language. Quote, I deeply regret my choice of words, my actions, and understand that it was disrespectful and offensive. Unquote. Assistant Director Amanda French apologized for the incident and urged everyone to return to work. We're addressing the issue. No, we appreciate you. Unquote. She didn't respond, respond to a request for comment. Fuenmayor has been reassigned to non-supervisory duties while the agency conducts a thorough and immediate investigation. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now, finally, news of the smart world that we are all living in right now. A group of 24 AI luminaries have published a paper and open letter calling for stronger regulation of and safeguards for the technology, that is to say, artificial intelligence, before it harms society and individuals. Quote, for AI to be a boon, we must reorient. Pushing AI capabilities alone is not enough. Unquote. Led by two of the three so-called godfathers of AI, Jeffrey Hinton and Yoshua Mengio, the group said that AI, AI progress has been swift and to many surprising. There's no reason to suppose the pace of AI development will slow down, the group argued, meaning a point has been reached at which regulation is both required and possible. Without sufficient caution, the letter asserts, we may irreversibly lose control of autonomous AI systems, rendering human intervention ineffective. 
unquote. A cartoon canine AI chatbot designed to cheer up and inform lonely older residents of Western Japan is in the doghouse after providing error-laden responses. This from Agence France Presse. Ah, the French. Powered by generative artificial intelligence, Dai-chan was this year launched by Osaka authorities, who called it the first of its kind in a country where one in ten people is aged 80 or older. But the chatbot, which features a Shibu Inu cartoon dog and answers in the Osaka dialect, has shown itself far from faithful to the truth. When a user asked about the World Expo, planned in Osaka for 2025, the dog incorrectly responded that the event was cancelled. That answer gained public attention. Japanese newspapers and broadcasters reporting on the dog. Dai Chen, you're good, one social media user joked. World's Fair is still scheduled to go ahead despite slow progress and budget challenges. Among other incorrect answers, Dai Chan said the G7 foreign ministers meeting will be held on November 4th rather than the actual November 7th and 8th. Asked by Agence France Presse for his re- reaction, Dai Chan said, Yes, yes, I often make mistakes, but it's a bit hard that people report about it. But making mistakes is part of growth, isn't it? Unquote. The cartoon dog. Amazon may have some serious explaining to do, says the British tech journal The Register. A survey of workers at warehouses and other company facilities finds injury rates astronomically higher than those the company has reported to government officials. In contrast to the 6.9 injuries for every 100 workers that Amazon self-reported to OSHA, 69% of of Amazon warehouse employees had to take unpaid time off due to pain or exhaustion in the past month. 34% have had to do so three or more times. Additionally, 41% of employees report having been injured on the job at an Amazon warehouse, figure that climbs to 51% for those who've worked there for three or more years. That data and additional findings that contradict Amazon's own injury reporting was sourced from about 1,500 Amazon workers in 42 states, collected by a pair of researchers from the University of Illinois Chicago's Center for Urban Economic Development. In addition to the physical toll workers reported, 52% of those surveyed said they felt burnt out by working at Amazon, 41% reported always or most of the time feeling a presser to work faster. Reports of injuries and burnouts were higher among those feeling that pressure. Quote, the survey data indicate that how Amazon designs its processes, including extensive monitoring and the rapid pace of work, is contributing to a considerable physical and mental health toll, according to the researchers. And two scholars called for inundating artificial intelligence with a legal education. They warned this week that without regulations targeting AI, courts may find it increasingly difficult to control illegal activities, particularly if an AI becomes a corporation all by its lonesome. The regulatory analysis in science comes from a Vanderbilt University law professor, and a Stanford fellow. 
They warned that a legal singularity is afoot with artificial intelligence. For the first time in history, the authors write, non-human entities that are not directed by humans may enter the legal system, a new species of legal subject. Legal subjects have traditionally been limited to people and non-human entities like animals, rivers, or anything that addresses human interests and obligations like corporations. The authors say this is because law is a human invention prescribed by language, another distinctively human invention. However, human language is no longer distinctive to humans with the development of AI. One of the researchers, a gentleman by the name of Daniel Gervais, was not kidding. He explained in an interview that what prompted the analysis is the widespread assumption that AI is unable to understand human law, a notion he challenges. He anticipates advanced autonomous AI that could one day register itself as a zero-member limited liability company, making it difficult for the current legal system to punish illegal AI activity. Oh, it's a smart world, all right. Speaking of which, uh, I'm not prone to giving advice to public figures. It's not my lane, as they say. But uh, just in case the Republicans continue to have trouble getting something to stick and in the chair of the Speaker of the House, next time, try an AI. Maybe even a dog. You're welcome. Hello, I'm Mike Pence. I was supposed to be talking to you today about my presidential campaign. But last night I decided to suspend that campaign. I explained the reason earlier today in these words. I realized this is not my time. But in another very real sense, this is my time. I paid for it, and the broadcasters from whom I purchased it said it was too late to cancel and refund my purchase. So the good Lord has left me with this little moment to talk to you about something else. Some of my advisors think I should endorse another candidate tonight, or at least to denounce the front-runner in the race. But it's too soon, and at least in my case, the uh, feelings are a little bit too raw for me to do that. Other advisors think I should end my campaign by reiterating my policy preferences. After all, I feel strongly about the future direction of this blessed land. But at a moment of personal redirection for me, I can't particularly remember my policy preferences. And I'll bet you can't either. But just before I came on air, I prayed. And the good Lord sent these words to me. January is the start of another Girl Scout cookie season. So stock up when the opportunity comes your way. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the broadcasting industry.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The damn thing returns next week at the same time on these same radio stations. Or it occurs whenever you want it to on your audio device of choice. Tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, the Hawaii desk, to Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address of this program, the chance to get Cause I Talk t-shirts, and the playlist of the music heard here, along with so much else stuff to read and watch and forget, all at harryshear.com. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates from WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.